I'm Ian Dark, and you're listening to Men in Blazers, sub-optimal radio on the Grantland Network. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! From the Embassy Road Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. It is, David. How you doing, Rog? I'm sad. Why? Big week for us, Rog. This is an enormous... This is probably the in the in the four-year, three- to four-year history of Men in Blazers. This is probably the biggest week we've ever had. Because of the supermoon. Supermoon was pretty amazing. Did you see it? I did. I went to the beach twice. I saw it the night before the supermoon. I saw Supermoon Eve and Supermoon. It looked to me yeah. like a giant Brad Guzan face floating there in the sky. <laughs> yeah. I could almost touch it. Really? I didn't see that, but I, I, God, I need to take a look at the pictures and see if I see that. Uh, it was amazing, the Supermoon. I loved it. Really loved it. But big week for us, Rog. Why? We're off to NBC. This is our yeah. final, not our final podcast. We are going to continue to pod on until we drop dead, Rog. Uh, but we, this is our final podcast on ESPN. Roger's now very sad about that. We, this is our final podcast on ESPN on Grantland. We're going to talk a lot about Grantland later and about ESPN and our gratitude for the wonderful people that gave us this opportunity. But we're off to NBC to join our friends Rebecca Lua, Arlo White, Carl Martino. And the two Wobbies. The two Wobbies. Yeah, very excited about it. I've got to say, yeah. thank you to everyone for their lovely, lovely, lovely messages. Yeah. Uh, Davo and I sat down with Frank Lampard about 10 days ago, 12 days ago. We did. And when we sat down... Bigger you know, day for me than it was for Rog. It was. But when we sat down, we sat down at the table, that awkward yeah. moment when you're just suddenly sitting there. And I turned, uh-huh. we turned around to him and we said, well, Frank, oh, look at us, three immigrants who came here from England with nothing. <laughs> and we've all made something of ourselves. And that is the wonder of America to me. It is. I mean, it is. The immigrant story that we yeah. talk about, it's alive and well. Yeah. Davo, you are Tony Montana writ large. Yeah. I am Yentl. Uh-huh. America. And who's Rebecca Lua? They let, any, they let anyone the tell us. They let who's anyone Rebecca Lua and the two Robbies? They, they play themselves. Arlo they. still lives over in Derby. Um, so, no, excited to join uh, NBC, but this is our final Grantland podcast. So grateful to the guys at Grantland. We're going to give you your proper send-off uh, later. Uh, but Dark assure week everybody, also, though, David. we are going to be podding. We will never stop podding. We're going to be podding forever. Yeah, even when we're not podding, we're podding. <laughs> it was very true. Dark, but, dark week, though, David. Yeah, uh, well, Robin Williams, Rog, passed at the age of 63. <sighs> Gutted, David. Oh, captain, my captain. Often thought about having the English beats, tears of a clown playing at my funeral, David. Yeah. You know, when I first came to San Francisco, yeah. when I was a kid, I was about 18 or 19, and I stayed opposite Robin Williams' house which is in a compound over which he had his staff every morning raise his personal flag, Uh which was a dancing monkey. (laughs) And I always thought, I remembered it, I always thought it was the greatest thing to do to have your personal flag raised up and down every day. But depression, Davo, the black dog, such a complex beast. It is. I know from the black dog, Rog. Uh, I thought your funeral song was Do the Russians Love Their Children Too? That's when the coffin is lowered into the ground. But this is not about me. I mean, Robin Williams in Good Will Hunting, you'll have bad times, but you'll always wake up to the good stuff you weren't paying attention to. Yeah. A lot of football in he Robin did. Williams' life. 1994, World the Cup. Host of the World Cup draw, yeah. which he called live on television, he said, was the world's biggest Kino game, was how he welcomed <laughs> was everyone. pretty accurate. Yeah. And then he went, Robin Williams, he went on stage <laughs> with Sepp Blatter, and he kept insisting uh, on calling Sepp Blatter 
Set Bladder. Yeah. All the way through, he kept saying, Mr. Bladder, Mr. Yeah. Bladder. And finally, Set Bladder, furious, turned around and goes, This is football! This is not comedy! <laughs> <laughs> I've realised, if we do want to take down yeah. Set Bladder, yeah. it's the way to do it. Yeah. Just keep calling him. Bladder, Mr. Yeah. Bladder, he hates it. Live on Broadway, 2002. This yeah. skit about French and soccer. For us, yeah. it's a strange sport played by damaged people. Uh, he said, and a great skit about what referees do, handing out yellow cards, red cards, and ultimately green cards. But Stephen Fry's Dave out. Yeah. He said, if you, you know someone who's depressed, please resolve never to ask them why. Depression isn't a straightforward response to a bad situation. It just is, like the yeah, weather. Very true. Also, sad news in the taxi this morning, Rog. Lauren Bacall, uh, just one of my favourite actresses of all time, Rog. Former wife of Humphrey Bogart. We love the wives of Humphrey Bogart. He, I thought he died in the 19th century. <laughs> maybe, Humphrey Bogart. Maybe, maybe watching West Ham. But it's a um, Murder in the Orient Express, one of my favourite movies of all time. Maltese Falcon. Yes. Uh, to be honest about Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Uh, she's one of those people who um, who I thought was already dead. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those people. Like, I remember I re- released an album with Johnny Mathis once. Yeah, um, and ninety seven percent of the people when we released it. Yeah, um, and he he told us this himself. Thought that he'd already passed away. Couldn't mm-hmm. believe that the guy was still alive. But all of this, it reminds me of Philip. My favourite line from Philip Larkin, That's, David. That is what people will be saying about us in a few years. I thought the <laughs> Blazers were dead. I thought they were already gone. I can't believe they're still alive. Larkin, we should yeah. be careful of each other. We should be kind while there is still time. That's beautiful, Rod. Need okay. to drink after that, David. So the football, oh, so the let's football. crack open. Here we go. Oh, David. Oh, that is... Oh, Pour this. Oh, Morning Guinness. What a report. It's about 10.10 here in the crap part of Soho. Rainy, drizzly day. I hope the weather's better uh, where you are right now. To Robin Williams, David. Yeah, to Robin Williams. Remarkable, tender, unpredictable, sensitive, openly flawed man. Yeah. That life force will be missed by millions. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, huge show what today, nice Rog. Day. Packed show. We're on the eve. Premier League. Finally. Finally, Rog. It's back because we haven't had enough football this summer. <sighs> Thank God, David. Uh, poised to return to our lives in all of its full-throated glory, the world's most athletic telenovela. Prepare not to speak to your loved ones for another 38 years, <laughs> America. We will celebrate by asking ourselves 10 big, sweaty questions about the Premier League, <laughs> the BPL, that lies ahead. We're going to welcome uh, Roger's World Cup hero and mine, Miguel Herrera. Well, he's Co- a real person. He is a real person. Coach of the Mexican national team and maybe in England in the future, Rog, uh, to the pod. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the joy, and I do mean joy, of football with him. We're going to talk about MLS All-Star uh, Landon Donovan's retirement, Rog. We're going to deal with your Ravens. We're going to talk about the prize. And what a prize it is, Rog. You've just, you've just displayed it to me. Uh, built by our crack Men in Blazers team. Yeah, it's gorgeous. We will talk a little bit more about it later. And David. that's the prize for our Men in Blazers Fantasy League, which you better get up, get on right now to meninblazers.com and sign up. All of that in the next four hours of our final Grantland podcast. It's a marathon, not a sprint, David. Yeah. So, Rod, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with our big, sweaty questions? Ten of them. Okay. Unleash. Go. Unleash okay. the beast. Number one, Rog. Yeah. Arsenal. They win the Community Shield. <sighs> Another trophy. Amazing. Two. Started the season with a trophy. Yeah. Arsenal three. Nine Man- years without, and then two in two games. I know. Amazing. Arsenal three. Manchester City nil. Is this, Rog, this is the question. Is this simply an amuse-bouche 
as Arsene would say, and joined, understood by Olivier Giroud, ahead of the main <laughs> course, is the Premier League title still to come? Oh, there you go. First of all, can we address a question that a lot of you asked yeah. about the Community Shield? Yeah. Many of you wanted to know why English football has a cut named after a struggling sitcom created by Dan Harmon. <laughs> That's a very good question. Which made me think of another question, Actually, David. Actually, it's named after a, uh, a struggling sitcom and a drama, I believe, on FX, Community and Shield. <sighs> Married together into That's a double amazing. spin-off. I hadn't even thought then of it Then what is the way. Super Cup, Davo? Yeah. Why is football yeah. so crap uh-huh. and naming trophies? The Super Cup, Real Madrid-Sevilla, yesterday. Yeah. Did an intern name that cup? Yeah. That is the worst... Po- oh, all right, the Super Cup. No one's really that hard. Super Cup, Super... Why don't they come up with great names? I think, I think, actually, it's definitely named by a non-English speaker. Because I don't think it was named like, oh, Super Cup. That's how an English speaker would name it. It's, it's like a... That's somebody who doesn't speak a lot of English. Yeah. But loves the word Super and loves the word Cup. And it sounds... Exciting. You think you think there was a brainstorm amongst like the Somebody leading goes, creatives I have in the idea. Super Cup, <laughs> Super Cup, and everybody's like, Bravo! Yes, Professor Doofenshmirtz. Yes, Mr. Bladder. What about the cup to end all arguments? Yeah. Or the moon door. Yeah. Or the teacup. Yeah. Well, I'd love someone in football to name their, their trophy the hiccup. That's my favourite kind yeah. of cup, David. The cupity cup, 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 cup. Oh. I think that would be what it should be called. Anyway, but big back to Arsenal. Get the optimism surrounding. It doesn't really? take much for Arsenal fans, though, does it? I admire them. They've suffered in agony yeah. for nine years. Mm-hmm. Yet the same, you talk about this, yet retain total positivity and eternal optimism since Thierry Henry left in 2007, followed by Cesc Fabregas and RVP. And now they've got Alexis Sanchez, Alexis Alejandro Sanchez, Sanchez! Yeah. Living within all Arsenal fans, in my experience, simultaneously, they don't even, it's not even like one leads to another, it's not a circle that it lives simultaneously, is the conviction that they are the greatest, most attractive football-playing team in the history of world football, and also that they are bound to, to fail in flames, doom and gloom, and everything is wrong, and arson has to go, and it's all terrible all at the same time. Simultaneous. It's the yin and the yang. It's both sides. It's to me, there, Charlie Brown always kicking the football that Lucy holds. For yeah. Every few. I mean, I do love the first day of the football season because mm-hmm. even Hull City fans yeah. can make a case for themselves that this year is yeah. our year. The planets are aligned. Everything's yeah. there. Every everything feels fresh. It's like the first day at school when you got a new pencil case and a new rucksack and you're like excited to be a new desk and everything. Yeah. For, of course, by like five o'clock. English time. Yeah, you've been on a Saturday up around the back of the bike sheds, your ties being tagged. <laughs> you've got chewing gum in your hair and you can't, you're going to put in the mouth. Your mum says, we're going to have to yeah. cut that out. We yeah. can't get it out. We're going to have to cut that out. It is, it is a facet. But Arsenal fans, more, more so, David, do they have this year, after they've really splashed the cash, David? I mean, Alexis Sanchez, stocky, resilient, a lot of speed to match when he comes back. Theo Walcott, Oxlade Chamberlain. They've already penned a chant for him, Arsenal fans, besmirching the cannon of one of my favourite Guyanese composers, Mr. Eddie Grant. Yeah. We're going to rock down to Alexis Avenue and he make the score go higher. Possibly <laughs> one of the genius. worst chants. Okay, let me read that one. Can you read that? In We're going to rock down to Alexis Avenue and he make the score go higher. That's the That's worst. That's awful. It is. I mean, and also to, hilarious. I've got to say, Eddie Grant, Yeah. I don't want to dance. It's probably one of the most poignant. That might make the list of my Desert Island disc, David. It is poignant. Well, how do you Beautiful. feel about Arsenal? 
answer the question. We've got to answer Hard the to question, Rod. Hard to tell because that was neither a full strength nor a particularly motivated city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tori looked like he was ashamed to be playing in, a, in the community yeah. shield. Uh, secondly, of the previous 10 winners of that trophy, only five have gone on to win the title. Yeah. The managers of the previous two winners were Roberto Mancini. Yeah. Sacked at the yeah. end of that season. Yeah. David Moyes last season. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd say yeah, it was Arsenal it. having they've won the every time they've won the Community Shield, the Charity Shield, they haven't won the Premier League <laughs> in the following. So season. I'd say it's a symbolic statement of intent, Dave. Olivier Giroud going all Kyle Beckham and with that long-range thunder strike that only Joe Hart could have loved. Um, and I, well, Arsenal fans wonderfully optimistic, maybe celebrating Sonogo's languid. Uh, Gate and Callum Chambers looking like a young Tony Adams, only more gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, I mean, you're the most bullish man on Arsenal. I think Arsenal, I've got to tell you, I looked at the odds this morning, Rog, seven and a half to one Arsenal, that's 15 to two. Um, I think those are very good odds on Arsenal to win the title. Here's my theory on Arsenal. Last season, not only was their opening day of the season, they lost to Aston Villa, one of their worst results of of, of the season, but their record against the mid and lower table was unmatched, unparalleled by anybody else in football. And it's because they have so many attacking options and all they've done is improve their attacking options. I think Debushi is a great signing for them. Phenomenal. Phenomenal signing. And I think Alexis Sanchez just looks immediately like a great Premier League player. And I think they're going to be better than they were last season. I think they'll continue to beat up the mid-table and the lower table. And frankly, I don't see them being as terrible against the top six. Again, they actually, they cannot be as bad this season against the top That's six. That's your word of optimism. You can't be, you as, can't bad be as bad as second year. It just cannot happen. Here's my concern and for so, Arsenal. I think, I really feel like Arsenal are going to win it this season. At seven and a half to one, they're great value. Aaron Ramsey, yeah. if he had not been injured, would have been my player of the year. Phenomenal footballer. Can Jack Wilshire step up and meet him? I think that's going to be a fascinating narrative. Yeah. And then Arsenal in the big games... Their lack of a defensive midfielder yeah, hurt them very badly. Point. And it's puzzling to me, making Mikel Arteta the captain yeah. of the team, as, as Arsene Wenger has just done. Yeah. That is a, all I'd say, I would say it defies physics, but Arsene is a very wise man. He understands the chemistry uh, of the changing room. I'm not in the changing room, and I defer to him. But it, that seems to be a glaring hole that has not been filled. It even led Jack Wilshire to make a statement that he is not a defensive midfielder. <laughs> There's been belief around some in Arsenal circles that he's going to move back and he's going to have to sort of plug that defensive midfielder. My hole. biggest concern for Arsenal, David, yep. they're going to be battling runner's nipple all season long. Yeah, very, very tight I'm shirt, f- afraid of runner's nipple. Yeah. It's my biggest fear. Right. Uh, worse even than, uh, than Cossacks. Mm-hmm. Ch- uh, chafing. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you they are going to tire... Brutally in the second half of games like Uruguay in the World Cup. Best kit for me, by the way, Manchester City's away kit. I love a tight fade. It's almost as beautiful as that great culturally de Leonisa kit, which you've all seen in the third tier of Spanish football. Oh. That with the waiter's jersey, which came very close to my dream kit, Davo, the, mm-hmm. uh, the faux tuxedo. One day someone's going to have, probably Warrior, I would imagine, will come out, unfortunately, with the, with the faux tuxedo. Did I tell you, I went to a wedding this summer. Embassy Rose, you know Anna, who works down in International. Phenomenal. Whose nook we've taken over to turn into our new panic room. Yep, you can probably hear hear, uh, asbestos being fitted even as we speak into the new panic room. Beautiful young woman. Classy, classy wedding in Tuscany. Rehearsal dinner. Her dad shows up. What's he wearing? An Arsenal shirt. A Puma Arsenal shirt. Nipples. Nipples. Tuxedo t-shirt. 
a tuxedo t-shirt. The look on her face when he walked in wearing that, it was priceless. When the Men in Blazers national team take yeah. the field, David, which tuxedo they may well, t-shirts. we are wearing tuxedo t-shirts. It's so good. Okay, question number two. So, so I think the Premier League title could be there for Arsenal. I just think, I think it could be theirs. Anyway, Rod, question number two. City. Two Premier League titles in three years. Only Chelsea and United have retained the Premier League title in the entire history of the Premier League. The expansive yeah. history plus goes all the way back to 1992. So, uh, can City repeat? Can they retain the Premier League title? Discuss. Well, not a huge amount is new at the club, David. Partly because of the restrictions of uh, European financial fair play, yeah. uh, which have hit them a little. Uh, Fernando, pa- I'd say partly because, yeah, I mean the the big signing, um, Eloquim Mangala, who they hope will be a high class central defender, 54 million, uh, come in to partner Vincent Company. Um, but maybe for City, stability and no change is actually what they do need after uh, the tumult of the Roberto Mancini era, David. Yeah. And maybe they are looking to Pellegrini for stability and calm. To me, they're a different team when they have a fit Sergio Aguero uh, than when they don't have a fit Sergio Aguero. And I think that's ultimately going to be very key for them. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly offensively, they have more... They have more goal scorers, genuine, proven Premier League goal scorers than any other team. Um, and if they can solidify at the back, if Mangala turns out to be as good as advertised, um, he's got another great young player. I think Zuccolini is his name. Fantastic Argentinian under-20 prospect. Um, but I think that they are going to... You always feel that Manchester City have that physical brute strength with Yaya Toure in the middle, with their big centre-backs, with their strength up front to go and like hurt those lower level teams and they're always difficult to beat for the top five and yeah yeah Toure what goes on in that headspace I mean yeah. that, we will talk more during the season about the birthday cake into the you better get a good birthday cake I think year. not since Molly Ringwald 16 Candles has a, a birthday cake been such a subject of yeah. intrigue and, uh, and, and kind of narrative drama what goes on in this headspace City will go uh, as that headspace goes I have to ask you Dave holding up a picture yeah I want your reaction to okay. this word association. First what word. do you think of when you see this photo? Describe what it is, David. <laughs> it's Frank Lampard wearing his Manchester City kit. I think of something that we're not going to see and very smiling. much this season. And smiling. We're not going to see anything this season. That's the biggest smile. I must say, that is the broadest smile. He in, we enjoyed our interview with Frank Lampard, and he enjoyed being with us. I think you can say that will be going out in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, he's wearing his Manchester City shirt, looks happy, I don't think we're going to see him a lot in that. My, uh, my question shirt. was to you: What yeah. do you feel like when you look at it? Do you feel pain? Do you feel scorned? Do you feel like you're watching Patrick Swayze in Two Wong Fu? No, I'm excited <laughs> to see him come to New York City <laughs> FC, and this is just this is just a stop. This is getting his ticket punched before he can board the steamship and get out here. That's how I feel about it. I just uh, When I look at it, it just reminds me of the aftershave he wore. If he scores against Chelsea, if he plays against Chelsea, that will be a different matter. Um, but, yeah, Manchester City, I feel like, you know, they don't, Pellegrini doesn't get enough credit for winning that Premier League title last year. When we talk about all the managers, because he's not got a huge personality, because we don't know him that well yet, because he doesn't it's say like a, outrageous things. It's like a black things. hole of charisma. Yeah, we don't... 
I possibly because like they were only at the top of the table for 14 days. They were like yeah. a horse that just patiently waited, 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 and then... But I don't think he gets enough credit. I don't think the team get enough credit. Having said that, I think it's very tough to repeat, to sort of get it up to and repeat. And this is going to be, without any... You and I both discussed it. If last season was a three-horse race, this has the potential to be a four, five, six, seven-horse race scrum. for a long time. Scrum. A scrum. We just need eight teams a to make a scrum. Season of scrum. Question number three. Manchester United, Rog. Um, <laughs> oh, they made it. They won the Guinness International Champions Cup. Every child dreams of, of growing up that. one day and winning the Charlie Stilitano Trophy. Yeah, they beat Liverpool uh, Beat Liverpool 3-1, Rog. Uh, second half goals from Wayne Rooney, Juan Mata, 21-year-old Jesse Lingard. He was great last preseason too until they loaned him out to Birmingham. Now they've taken him out of goal. Yeah. <laughs> Gave Louis van Gaal's <laughs> men the GICC title. Yeah. Big, uh, big time. Big time. They did look fantastic in preseason, one has to say. But here's our preview question, Rog. Yeah. Can van Gaal and his incredibly <laughs> surprised hair make an immediate difference and have United back challenging for the title again? It's clearly an amazing bloke, David. Yeah. I mean, English journalists have also yeah. clearly quickly fallen under his spell. They are third favourites right now. The odds makers have them at third favourites. I think somewhere between five and six to one. Can I just to go and win the say, Premier though, League? I miss David Moyes. I miss Moyes United. You do? Yeah. Does anyone else feel nostalgic for them, I wonder? Um, <laughs> I mean, to me, the thing that was fascinating about Manchester United and David Moyes um, was that their fall from grace came at possibly the worst possible time in terms of capturing the American market. Oh, my God, the first season on NBC. The thousands of Americans who started to watch the Premier League last season only yeah. know Manchester United as like a duck soup of a team. <laughs> so what we can say, Van Gogh <laughs> will clearly yeah. change that. Yeah. I mean, he's got a philosophy, he's got a tactical acumen, which mm-hmm. is totally ab- absent under, under his predecessor. Ruud van Nisselrooy. Our mate Rude, Rude. he de- described him to us as a man who'd march into the Pope's office in the Vatican and tell the pontiff how he could do his job better, <laughs> which I love. Um, I mean, how do you feel about it? They do have the same blessing as Liverpool of last season. They have no European football to distract and exhaust them. They've got one focus, which is, I guess you could say, cracking the top four again. Yeah, without a doubt. But I actually think that Manchester United, the second that they're in the race, they're going to be wanting to win it again. Look, I've watched quite a lot of uh, Man United in pre-season, really enjoyed watching them play football. I think Van Gaal took a look at his team, took a look at who he had, and is deciding to play a system that he's got with his players, rather than David Moyes, I think, came in and wanted to play his system. And I think he's looked at it. He's going to play three at the back. Rog, three, five, like. two. And that is Heavy pressing, high defensive line. Immediately, that's going to force their opponents to just think about what they're going to do in midfield. And they do have the players in midfield who can overrun you. And the Herrera. Yeah, and the Herrera, a great signing. And I must say, during preseason, Wayne Rooney was really back to some of his best form. He looks to be thriving. You're talking about Captain Rooney. Captain Wayne Rooney. Captain Wayne Rooney. Yeah. Uh, I've got to say, uh, Van Gaal said, I've been very impressed by his professionalism, his attitude to training and to my philosophy. This captaincy, David, to me, Wayne Rooney could well be the worst captain since Captain and Tennille. It can go one of two ways. It could bond Wayne Rooney to the team yeah. like it did with David Beckham in England. Yeah. It could backfire disastrously. I, I'm interested about this 3-5 team. I think the interesting thing there is you and I seem to have a very different opinion of Captain and Tennille. 
You've really? I wouldn't describe him as a bad captain. Honestly. I think an amazing captain is Neil. I just would never have had him as a lover. Yeah, I sometimes get them a little confused with Peaches and Herb, but I must say, <sighs> Peaches I'm Peaches and Herb. We were talking about Peaches and Herb the other yeah. day. You were talking about, that was your your slow dance song of choice. No, it wasn't my, it was, I remember going to one of my first, like, parties with girls, and, uh, Rod Clark. So we're getting into George Michael Spudge. We're, we're, go, we're, we're going Sports back to 2012. One of Dave's first parties with girls. Elton, 1979 or 80. And Rod Clark, and it wasn't his party, it was Gary Mackney's party. Rod oh, Clark, Rod Clark had cut out of his pocket. He knew that his move in slow dancing with girls was to get them to put their hands, I don't know how he did it, to put their hands down his pockets in the front of his pants. It's like quite an awkward move, like sort of a kangaroo. They have to go and put their hands down the pockets. Pouch. And he would cut the bottom of his pockets out as though there was anything going on down there. the bottomless cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but I remember that happening. What was that song? Reunited. Yeah, so that song, I remember. That's what. God, if I were Van Gogh, I would have my team run out to Reunited. Yeah. It's just a statement. It's a statement of menacing intent. I would have to yeah. run out to Reunited mm-hmm. when they play. I'm interested about this 3 5 2, Dave. Yeah. Because, yes, I mean, Ander Herrera's impressed. The midfield uh, ability, uh, the, 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 the forward, I mean, they're overstocked with number 10s, as he keeps saying. So many. But I was wondering is it a matter of a pragmatic man, or is it a matter of a, man, a manager enforcing his system on a squad, which is not where it needs to be? Because 3 5 2, you need talented intelligent, fast-moving, ball-playing, confident defenders. United have no Ferdinand, Vidic is gone, Patrice Eva also gone. It's not clear who is going to play this back line. Van Gaal is, it, it went after and didn't get him. He went off to Barcelona. Marcos Rojo is now linked. If they cannot land a centre-back, at least one great centre-back, David, I think they're going to be brittle defensively yeah, this season. Jones and Smalling doing that, which is probably not going to be their strength. Having said that, they looked very comfortable in this system from the moment they started playing it. And I think it's the effect it's going to have on other teams that is going to be more interesting. Can more I just say, it's slightly off topic, David. Yeah. The Guinness International Champions Cup. Yeah. Super Cup. What a hit. Uh, well, it's definitely taking root. Yeah. I mean, United won it. As every United fan will tell you, it's the new Champions League. 109,000 people at Ann Arbor brought tears to our eyes to see that. I mean, Europe has taken note. To see how Europe wrote about the Ann Arbor 109,000, to yeah, see how the club by Munich have now set up an office in New York City. Yeah. Uh, everyone's talking about this new America. I mean, the big house at, uh, at Ann Arbor, it felt like the new camp. Slightly off topic, will the Premier League, they, they, remember they talked about the 39th game in 2008, playing a hmm. Premier League game uh, in different parts of the country, read America and, and, and probably Asia. Uh, at the time, they were definitely forced back into their box because UEFA, you, you don't play UEFA games in other, in kind of CONCACAF territory or in Asian football territory. You don't cross the streams in football, Dave. It's like oh, Ghostbusters. You're right. But when there's so much money at hand, Davo, there's normally a way in football. I mean, they're playing the Copa America here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, I mean, can you see because a day? Because it's the anniversary. Oh, yeah. So we'll move into the U.S. and yeah. hoover up that cash. Yeah. Can you see a day soon in our lifetimes, Davo, when we will be podding from a stadium at Ann Arbor, possibly for a Premier League game? Well, even a Capital One Cup game here, David. I think you can see that, and I think you can see the Community Shield, for example, coming to America. I think you can see that. I think the issue here is that FIFA, UEFA, and probably CONCACAF 
to have a Premier League game played from a different con- confederation is going to be something that will be opposed mightily by a lot of forces in the game. However, Rog, I think any of you have any remote interest, go onto YouTube and watch the uh, testimony of Greg Dyke in front of the, parla- uh, the parliamentary subcommittee. Greg Dyke, the English the FA. English F- head of the English FA in front of British Parliament talking about FIFA. I think what we're about to go and see over the next two to three years is a pitched battle uh, of various forces, and probably it's going to start with England, but I think there will be more countries, more countries' associations who will come into it, who are going to take on Set Blatter, take on FIFA, and we're going to have to see how that turns out. Anyway, look for that on YouTube. I would love a tournament. Maybe this could be the hiccup, David. Yeah. Where, where you had the Italian champions, Serie A champions, playing the La Liga champions, playing the, the, the Premier League champions, the German, the American, and the Mexican champions. Yeah. All That's in one kind idea. of knockout. I can That's imagine that. Being, That's the hiccup, David. That's a great idea. Anyway, yeah, I can see Man United coming back to challenge for the title again, Rog. I can see it. It's like narrative. Louis van Gaal is going to be one of the greatest <laughs> things that is going to happen to the Premier League this season. It's going to be superb. I think he can have them challenging again. I think he's got Manchester fans uh, believing again. I think it's the greatest addition of all the amazing transfers. I think van Gaal coming into the Premier League is going to be the greatest thing for our job. Uh, this Top year. four, I think a title challenge is a bridge too far in this first season. Okay, Rog, number four. I almost didn't speak of this team. <laughs> Chelsea Football Club. Well, you just perked up in your seat. Yes, but I, at the same time, I know the second I perk up, I'm just going to get shot at. So I've got to get my helmet on again and, and get down below the uh, trench line. Last season, uh, Jose Mourinho played down his team's chances. They were not title contenders. Young eggs, little horses, Rog. Inexperienced, too raw. He's had a big off-season bringing in Sesk and Diego Costa <laughs> and the already injured Didier Drogba. Is it title challenge or bust for Mourinho with no room for excuses? Classic Rog Bennett question. It's either title or it's bust. There's nothing in between. <laughs> well, you're calling me a tabloid newspaper, right? Pretty David? much, Rog, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, interesting. You'll take the field without some veritable club institutions. Obviously, yeah. Frank Lampard. Yeah. Decided light blue over dark blue. Ashley Cole yeah. moved on and served the sweet, soft curls of erratic defender David Luiz. 50 million. What a deal. Yeah. Anyway. And you funded the arrival of Diego Costa, who possibly will need some time to acclimate. And we'll yeah. find out whether Sesk. I think one of the joys of my season will hear you say that word Sesk. over and over again. Sesk. We're Sesk team. Can a red, can a red be a blue? Oh, we will find out. Really David, how are you feeling? Um. I don't know how I feel about Chelsea this season. I must say, I have some personal things that I have a bit of a problem with. I don't like seeing um, my team. They're going to field two English players this season. They're going to field John Terry and uh, Gary Cahill. Some of two too many. Yeah, but it's no... Well, Is that your actually, point? No, I think that's the best uh, centre-back partnership in the Premier League, Rog. But I think there are no, not enough English players in the team. Better than Rio Ferdinand and Stephen He's Colton. made this promise again and again that he's going to bring through young players. The squad numbers were announced and barely one of the young players has even made the squad. Certainly, even if those have made the squad, they're not likely uh, to feature very much at all this season. Um, there are a couple of players who I'm really excited to see. I think the surprise for me is Marco Van Ginkel. 
he's a player to really watch this season. You know, fantasy Premier League players, look at Van Ginkle. I think he might play more than most people believe. And I think seeing Matic in his second season, I think he was giant for Chelsea last year. And I think Matic is going to be is, is going to be huge. Agreed. I think though that there are too many changes for Chelsea. Potential goalkeeping change looming over the club. Courtois played the final pre-season uh, game uh, against Sociedad. Uh, I think you've got changes in defence. Um, uh, you know, I think he looks at the fullback. He's going to play as Pilaqueta. He's going to play Felipe Luiz in his first season. I don't think we're really strong at fullback. Um, certainly not in an attacking sense. And the goals is Diego Costa. Here's the question for Chelsea: If you think they're going to win it, you've got to believe that Costa in his first season in the Premier League is going to be dominant, if not the leading scorer in the Premier League, one of the top three leading scorers in the Premier League. I think it's hard to do in your first season in the Premier League. And I think for that reason that Chelsea are going to struggle to finish first. Cunaguero did it. Here's what I love. Mourinho likes his spine, Davo. Matic, Oscar, Seshk. That is a spine, Davo. He also likes his big bottom smalls and tools. Oh, yeah. You've got got so many players with huge arses. Ivanovic. Oh, huge. Matic. So big that he can't even run on the back of his feet. He has to run on the front of them. Diego Costa, Davo. Yeah, big bottom small. Huge arse. Hazard. I mean, yeah. that is a lot of... No, no, pot- big bottom mid, I suppose. It's a lot of potent butter- buttercree. Yeah. yeah. Is that the word, buttercree? Buttercree. I think that's a word. To field in one team, David. Yeah. I think there has been a lot of question that if, if Chelsea don't win the title, then Mourinho is gone. I think that's an exaggeration. There are several trophies to win this season. I think Chelsea have to win a trophy. I think that, And that, that's not finishing top four, Arsenal fans. They have to win a trophy, and they have to be in hunt for the Premier League title, genuinely for Mourinho to stay we've got to see some progress the hunt yeah the hunt the scrum okay Rog number five can Liverpool sustain their top four challenge and mount a campaign in Europe without Barcelona's Luis Suarez big question yeah I mean Liverpool have gone about replacing that kind of toothy silhouette with uh, quantity over superstar quality so far I mean, you compare who Liverpool are brought into, like the Sesks and the Diego Costas of Chelsea. Yeah. Liverpool's sweet spot seems to be young talent yeah. on decent wages. I think yeah. everyone bar Ricky Lambert yeah. is under the age of 26. They, yeah. They've gutted Southampton's once effervescent squad. Yeah. Ricky Lambert, Adam Lallana, yeah. Dejan Lovron, yeah. now wearing the red of Liverpool. Ricky Lambert, fascinating. He, he was rejected. Goodbye, oh, very good buy. Reje- uh, when we saw John Oliver at... Um, at Yankee Stadium, he was yep. quivering about Ricky Lambert. He said, yep. oh, he's so agricultural, he said, with a quiver. Um, he's a local lad, Liverpool yep. fan, rejected yep. at 15. He was yep. working in a beetroot factory. Yep. A beetroot factory. I didn't even know we still had those yep. after the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's clawed his way back to the club that he loves. They brought in Lazar Markovic, uh, the Serbian winger, who's still raw, and Emre Can. Many of you have pointed out... Um, they think Emre Can should be forced to pronounce his name American for marketing purposes. <laughs> That's very good. The big question for Liverpool will be Coutinho, great, great acquisition. But for every Coutinho, they've got a Louis Alberto or an Aspas. And really, are these, I think, the eight players that have come in, they've made their squad stronger, but will the starting 11 be as, as dominant, David? Look, I think this is going to be about Sterling and Sturridge. I know that's a very English, Anglo-centric view of it, but it's about how far they step up. During pre-season, Sterling and Sturridge played fantastic football. Raheem Sterling, particularly. And we saw glimpses of it at the World Cup. His ability to sort of beat a man from a standing start off the dribble. He is a fantastic footballer towards the end of last season. was starting to really establish himself as a Premier League star. And I think they're going to go as far 
as uh, those two guys progress, um, can really go and take them. Can I, can I add one thing? I, I believe in everything you've just said, mm-hmm. but I also believe the answer lies in the hands of Brendan Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, we, we laughed at him through the being Liverpool Three envelopes. piece. Uh, we, we laughed at him in this new Warrior coach outfit. We said he looks like a trendy vicar. Yeah. But the more I saw his team play last season, the more I... didn't I'm, laugh at that. I thought that was a compliment. The more, <laughs> <laughs> the more I marvel that is tweaking. I am happy to see Luis Suarez gone from yeah. Liverpool. I'm happy to see him gone from the Premier League, personally, Rog. Uh, I think they can... Uh, maintain their challenge. I think they can finish top four, and I think it would be great for English football if they do. Rog, Everton, can you conjure reasons to despair after this summer to remember? Surely now, Everton poised to finish the season top four, Europa League, triumph. I see a trophy for them at the end of this season. Dampen my enthusiasm for your club. Don't get me wrong, David. Everton have had the kind of summer that I've not seen since John Travolta wooed Olivia Newton-John at Rydell High. But there is cause for concern. I mean, let's talk about the nice things. Roberto Martinez, New Deal. Seamus Coleman, New Deal. Russ Barkley, New Deal. Mohamed Besic, young Bosnian prospect. John Stones, New Deal. Gareth Barry, permanent permanent, signing. And yet the thickening, Romelu Lukaku. But we've not won a single pre-season game, David. Um, And the Europa League, I hate it. I hate it. It drains all of the energy out of a small squad and it kind of stunts your ability to progress in the league and crack that top four. They're going to be travelling to towns in Eastern Europe, only previously known to white slave traders or those in the international arms business. You've got the Thursday-Sunday schedule, which ruined Swansea. Yeah. It ruined Newcastle. Um, we spent the summer with Roberto Martinez. Yeah. He kept assuring us, or yeah. me, yeah. Well, what do they keep saying? They said the Europa League is great for Everton Football Club. It's the greatest thing for Everton's business. Is that it's our best chance of making Champions League to win the Europa League. And he it's said, great for our squad. It's most attractive to bring in players. And he said, we are going to win it. We're going to win it. Yeah. He's going to try and win the whole thing. Yeah. So who am I to question, Roberto? He has added depth to the squad. Yeah. Uh, it has been a remarkable summer. Um, but I do worry that we're a team that will try and look at two things, the league and the Europa League, at the same time. And when you do that, you go cross-eyed. Yeah. We, we call that in Liverpool, getting on the bus, trying to pay the driver, buy a ticket and look for a seat at the same time. So yeah. I'm a little bit worried, David. Looks like Chelsea are going to loan another player to Everton. Atsu. Atsu. Thank Garners. you. Thank you, Atsu. Chelsea. Very, very good player. Um, so, yeah, I feel pretty positive about Everton this season, Roger. The problem is, is that there are seven very, very good teams going into this Premier League season. The two Manchesters, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Everton, Liverpool. You've got seven very, very good teams. It's going to be a dogfight. And yet, I sort of feel that Everton are going to find their way. Uh, are going to find their way into the top half of that mini table. Roger. Like Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, like Little Orphan Annie. Uh, talking of the top seven, Spurs... Rog, tough season last year. Two coaches, a glut of dud signings and such gory savagings as Man City 6, Tottenham Hotspur 0, Tottenham 0, Liverpool 5, Tottenham 1, Man City 5. We talked a lot about Arsenal's big losses last year, but Tottenham had some terrible games. New manager, Mauricio Pochettino. Rog, comes from Southampton. Fantastic uh, Premier League manager, proven. Will anything be different? Can Tottenham come back and do well this season? I mean, Pochettino, like Van Gaal, he imports a tactical acumen yeah. and a philosophy. 
Yeah. And the funny thing about Spurs, it's actually not that funny if you're a Spurs fan, is Tim Sherwood yeah. to Pochettino, or even AVB to Tim Sherwood, or even Harry Redknapp to AVB to Tim Sherwood to Pochettino. They're like veering between tactical maestros and coaches who rely on their charisma one to the other. Yeah. But his primary task after they spent $186 million uh, on on really a box of duds last season yeah. um, is to coax quality out the squad that's already there. He's going to have to go dog whisperer on Soldado and Lamela. Yeah, well, Lamela is a great example, seen as a bit of a dud last season, but we can see what a fantastic player he is. Um, and surely they can get more out of these guys. Player to watch, Eric Dyer. Yeah. Young defender. We've Fantastic. heard a lot about during the World Cup. Yeah, Comes English from guy. Lisbon. Yeah, Martinez used to be on Everton's books. Young English guy came out of Sporting Lisbon's academy, um, and uh, I think that could be a very, very useful centre back for them. Or right back, or even a defensive midfielder. He's a tactically flexible one. He's a great, he's a great free kick taker as well, Rog. Um, okay, uh, I feel Tottenham. I don't know. I really don't know about Tottenham. I have no idea. That is the team who, for me, are the biggest wildcard this season. We're going to go to our next question, which is, will any club mount a surprise challenge? To me, Tottenham is potentially that club. Even though we look at them as being a top-seven club, they could be the surprise package. They have a huge upside with that level of talent on their team, and yet we seem to be conditioned to expect disappointment from Tottenham, but I think they could be the surprise. When you look at the wildcard, Newcastle and West Ham seem yeah. to be in self-sabotaging slapstick mode. Yeah. Southampton appear ready to feel bags of cash at key positions. Yeah. Swansea in transition, Hull, Crystal Palace and Stoke. I think they'll all be competitive, those three. Mm-hmm. Um, but this season is going to be about, for it's me... that Bohan go to Stoke, that's a huge signing for them. <laughs> Huge is in absolute cultural clash and fascinating must-watch. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be one of the most competitive races for the top four. It's going to be a game of chicken at the bottom. Yeah. I think the table is going to look like Joan from Mad Men. Yeah. I think to sort of throw a few props to South London, the team I would love to see challenging towards the mid and the upper table this season at Crystal Palace. And this isn't just pandering to Rebecca Lua. I must say what Crystal Palace did... Um, after Tony Pulis came in, it was wondrous, their performance last season. And I think it would be great for football to see Crystal Palace like go on from there and uh, get a little bit better. Very difficult place to go and play football, uh, Crystal Palace. The fans uh, are so close to the action. They create such incredible atmosphere, as Liverpool found out towards the end of the season. Um, I'd love to see Palace do better this season. Love to see it. The newly promoted three, Rog, question nine. Will any... Of them stick. Burnley, Leicester, and I think the most fortunate promoted team, Queen's Park Rangers. Can any of those teams stay up? Leicester City? Yeah. Perhaps the most interesting new face, decades absence. Yeah. Billionaire Thai chairman, Scrabble triple word score, Vikai Shriver, Dabba Labba Labba Rabba Baba Baba. He's promised to invest up to £180 million to propel yeah. them to top five. Uh-huh. They really sauntered through the championship I last season. They've spent a lot season. of that money, yeah. I can tell you that. I mean, they're, they're gonna, their hope's going to rest on uh, ex United midfielder Danny Drinkwater and their yeah. captain, Wes Morgan. Yeah. Can they adapt uh, to uh, life at a higher level? They dominated possession last season. They won't. Uh, this yeah. season, that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I think we've got to see how these teams do in the loan market over the next couple of days as well. I think that all three of these, well, Leicester and Burnley, certainly QPR have already got some wage problems. But I think Leicester and Burnley are going to go in heavily in the loan market. I'd love to see Leicester, you know, for those sort of you know more recent Premier League fans, you don't realise how big a club this actually is. Leicester were 
you know, perennially in the top flight as we were growing up in England. By the way, Burnley had some great years in the top flight. Isn't it amazing, Rog, that you've got four teams now who play in red and blue in the Premier League? So confusing. Aston Villa, Burnley and West Ham. Three of those in claret and blue. Do they not know the rules? I know, it's very confusing. I mean, Burnley is a tiny Lancashire mill town, yeah. for those who don't know it. Population 74,000. Yeah. Uh, the, the squad they've got is unrecognisable to the one that got relegated in charming fashion in 2010. Yeah. They've got an amazing young coach who's imposed this will to win. Yeah. Sean Deitch, they call him the Ginger Mourinho. Yeah, I love that. I love Gingerino. Um, if they survive... Yeah, for me, it'll be the greatest act to emerge from Burnley since Chumbawamba. Yeah, Danny Ings, right? Their striker, very, very good player. Interesting to see if he can step up at Premier League level. Um, Bookmakers have got their doubts. They peg that those three as the three most likely to be relegated: West Brom, Crystal Palace, Hull, and Villa. Oh, Villa, what a train wreck! Randy Lerner, what are you doing to that team? Um, Right behind them. Uh, Rog, question number ten: What are you most looking forward to in this Premier League season? So much, David. It's like Sophie's choice. Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. At Arsenal. Just for the chant. Diego Costa. <laughs> yeah. At Chelsea. Really looking forward to seeing him play. Yeah. Van Gaal at United. And yeah. Wayne Rooney as his captain sidekick. Yeah. Uh, Bohan at Stick. Yeah. Um, Josie. Josie trying to dare to Josie at Sunderland. Come on, Josie. Yeah. Um, and really the best race for fourth of all time. Last season was amazing yeah. because all of the teams were glaringly flawed yeah. or in transition. City, Chelsea, uh, Arsenal, Liverpool and United. This season they've all rearmed, but Liverpool won't give up that top four place without a fight. It is going to be a battle royale. I agree with all of those things you just said. Let me just add a couple of others which I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing the kind of season that Josie Altador has up in Sunderland. A couple of good signings they've had up there, like the addition of Rodwell, see if he can make his career back in that part of the country. Um, I think this, this is a key season. Gus Poyet was on the radio yesterday, said that this is going to be the most important season in Josie Altador's career. Really interesting to see what he can get up to in Sunderland. Looking forward to seeing Frank Lampard wearing a suit, making phone calls uh, from the stands at Manchester City. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how Romelu Lukaku does at Everton, seeing now that he's got the big... He's got a big salary. You're a generous man. I know, I'm looking all forward your to seeing ex-wives. how he does. You wish all your ex All of them. Well. All 15 of them. I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, he does. And I must say, Bohan at Stoke, I think that's going to be an amazing story. One of the most promising young, young forwards in the world now going off to go and play in Stoke City. It's going to be so great And what I always look for, Rog, in every season as a passionate England fan is the emergence of young English players. It was one of the most exciting things about last season. Before that was all dampened at the World Cup, the emergence of these young players, particularly at Southampton. You look at guys like James Ward-Prowse, see what kind of a season he can have. I love... Uh, Luke Shaw, Chambers. Yes, love to see how they go and do uh, in the big moves to uh, United and Arsenal. Who's going to be there, David? Who is yeah. going to be there at the end, at the line, at the final whistle? My top four, three of... Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United, Man City. Only three of those four. I don't know which three it's going to be. I can convince myself of any three of those, uh, any one of those four not making it. And I think Everton are going to make the top four as well, Rod. Champions be? Arsenal. The end of history. <laughs> Rog. For me. Name the top four. For me, the Champions League places. Drum roll. 
Second to fourth. Yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. Manchester United. Yeah. And a little club called Manchester City. You got Liverpool winning the whole thing. Well, for me, David. Jose Mourinho. He's had sufficient time to inculcate his mentality through that locker room. You're about to take the ball away. He's I'm got about to kick no it, dead wood to take it away. And he's, uh, it, it's all on him, David, and I believe that he will deliver. Relegation places for me, Southampton, Burnley, and in last place, West Bromwich Albion. Um, yeah, West Bromwich Albion. Are they going to go down? Are they going to go down? I see West Bromwich Albion. I hadn't thought about West Bromwich Albion. That's really thrown me for a loop now. Uh, I see QPR going down because QPR just have problems. It's just they're an unhealthy football club, Rog. They remain... One of Burnley or Leicester, I think Leicester are going to go down. And um, I think Villa. I worry about Villa. Those are my bottom We three. all worry about Villa, David. We all worry. Okay, Rog. Let's, let's lift the mood. Let's lift the mood, Rog. We recorded this yesterday, so we already know. I've never been so excited to welcome again. It is. It's been so amazing. I love this man so much, David. Oh, so much. Miguel Herrera, Rog. He's the head coach of the men's national football team of Mexico, of the El Tri. He's hero to 121 million Mexican football fans and me and Rog. Herrera, nicknamed El Piojo, the louse, the flea, Rog, was once an aggressive Why, defender. David? Why? 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 We're going to find out. He was once an aggressive defender and a Liga Mexicano coach. He took over the national team at a time when they were struggling, Rog, to qualify for the World Cup, but he supplied the confidence in crisis, led them to the round of 16 at the 2014 World Cup. In the process, he became a tournament hero and pop culture icon, Rog, alongside Hamas, Rodriguez and Manuel Neuer as his celebrations in rain, in heat and in bar fight conditions. Especially in bar fight conditions. They really uh, took the World Cup by storm. That Juadado goal against Croatia, Rog, that celebration, we'll never forget it. It made even Americans fall in love with him and his mulleted style, his scar videos. Tom Brady photos and Maylox ads. We even started our Herrera for England blog, Rog, HerreraForEngland.com. It's a great honour for us to welcome to the pod, ahead of Mexico's game September the 6th against Chile in San Francisco, Mr. Miguel Herrera. Gracias, un placer estar con ustedes para mí. <laughs> Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys both. Thank you very much for the invite. Huge, uh, huge pleasure for us, Miguel. So first question, can you talk about pressure? Few nations soccer fans are as obsessive as Mexico's. You took over the team at a time and had gone through three coaches in a matter of weeks and they were struggling to make the World Cup. Can you describe your philosophy and approach that turned everything around and dealt with the pressure? Obviously, uh, with any national team, there is a lot of pressure, and I understood that it was a hard time uh, for the Mexican national team, for the federation. Um, before me, there were three different coaches, um, and I was actually coaching, uh, as you know, America, um, but I wanted, I was up for the challenge to earn that ticket, to get that coveted ticket to the World Cup. I mean, the players had a, a great two games against New Zealand, and that, that was that brought happiness to the team. Um, and I understand it was a major responsibility. I had to be able to influence them and, and provide that trust to them. Um, as you know, when I came on board, I usually mo used most of the American players, which was the, the foundation for the Mexican national team at that time with a couple of Liga MX players, um, but I, I talked to everybody. Um, I actually wanted to include the European players as well. 
Um, and I chatted with all, all of them. I really wanted to be able to influence them, to provide that trust in them. Um, and we actually even started to do kind of an internal competition to make sure that the players who were called up wanted to be there and just give provide them that trust that was lacking with the um, amongst the team. Miguel, can you describe the emotions that run through your body when your team scores a goal? We saw some amazing things amazing. down in Brazil, some scenes against Croatia, scenes that resembled a bar fight. Players jumping onto you, you throwing them to the ground, your goalkeeper running all the way up to you, you jumping into his arms, him sending you to the floor. A gladiator. A gladiator. What? Do you rehearse any of these celebrations or does something just take over your body in the moment? Um, obviously, it is, it's something that happens. It's, it's spontaneous. Um, I, I feel it in my head. I feel it in my body. Um, I become one more of a fan, a fan when I'm there. And, and it's maybe because I'm the one that's closest to, to the field at the bench side. Um, but this is something that I've done with all my teams that I've coached. And obviously now I'm doing it with the national team. Um, it's something that I enjoy 100%. And this is something that, you know, we need to embrace with the players so that the players feel that they're doing things right. But I, I become one of the fans. It's something, again, spontaneous that, that I do. I mean, that, that, that was why, to us, you became so popular, even in America. It's because you do represent the emotion that fans feel when their team scores. You, the, the celebration, the Croatia celebration, it became an internet sensation. People, people turned you into a bolt of lightning. People turned Herrera into a man on fire. I, I know you're very active on Twitter, Miguel. Afterwards, when you'd cooled down, and you looked at these internet memes and these internet gifs and these photoshops of Miguel Herrera, did, did you feel proud? Sí, sí, me sentí muy contento de la respuesta de la gente. I was very happy for this. I was actually very happy for the response for all these memes, for all these gifs. Um, actually, my, my daughter tried, both of my daughters tried to send me all of them, and I review them, and they make me laugh. And it, it's just part of the, the emotion that surrounded my passion for this. Um, it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm very social, but this also helps me, you know, be connected, be active with the fans and making sure that, you know, they, they are part of, of this, this team, part of this, this process. Uh, as Englishmen, we don't get to experience that emotion too often, Miguel. Sería buenísimo, la verdad que. You guys should really try. This is it's very enjoyable. This is something fantastic. <laughs> we should pack it out. Uh, this is a question from a listener uh, of ours, Miguel. This is from at Johnny Two by Four. At Many Blazers, at Miguel. This was a World Cup of Concacaf thunder. Mexico, the U.S., Costa Rica. Will we see a CONCACAF team win the World Cup in our lifetime? And what will it take for that to occur? Yes, I am. I, I think that a CONCACAF team will actually make it to the final and actually win. Uh, but it's something that, that we're, you know, we're close to making that big step. Uh, we need to work with CONCACAF with their executives to make sure that we can get four, those four straight spots. Um, and it's something that, you know, from I and Mexico will be doing. We want to play those seven games, uh, but we have to be focused because we need to 
be able to win against teams like Germany, Argentina, Brazil, who are usually the favorites and have taken that step to the finals. But I believe that, you know, step by step, um, we're going to be superior. Um, Jürgen Klinsmann has urged all of his American players to leave America and play the game in Europe. You save Mexico by relying largely on players from Club America and Liga Mexico. But after the World Cup, you said you saw a different level of football from your players who did play the game in Europe. Do you believe that leaving Mexico to play the game in Europe will make the Mexican national team better? Indeed, I think the, the Mexicans, most of our players need to move to Europe, to head to Europe. Um, and, and it's also, it's, it's a Europe, there's more leagues that are more competitive. I'm not saying that both MLS, the American League, or the Mexican League are not competitive, but it's something that, you know, that European teams, the European leagues, have more world-class players. Um, and recent, recently, we just uh, was announced that Raul Jimenez is leaving Club America to play for Atletico de Madrid. Um, hopefully, in the coming days, we hear about Chicharito maybe going to Juventus. And recently, we, we heard about Rafa going to Italy. So it's something, it's a new step. Um, hopefully, you know, more players are embraced. And it actually gives them a little bit more exposure when they're playing in Europe. Miguel. You have one of the greatest nicknames in the global history of sports, El Piojo, the Louse. Can you tell us the story of how you got that nickname and what you thought of that nickname the first time you heard it? Me lo puso la porra de un equipo en el que juega yo que se llama Atlante. It's, it's very, actually very funny. Um, this was actually put up, uh, named me by the supporters club from the team that I used to play with Atlante from Mexico. And I actually never really asked them why. Um, when you look at it, it's, it's, it's a, a piojo, it's, it's, it's a flea, it's, it's small, it's black, it jumps around. I, I'm, I'm light-skinned. I don't know how that, that came to be. Uh, but I really never asked them. I, it was until later on that I saw that they were yelling at me that I, I was like, oh, they're calling me that. Um, but yeah, it's, I've never asked. It's been 20 plus years that I've had this nickname, but I, I still don't understand the comparison. <laughs> oh, um, last question from me, Miguel. We've got a lot of young men and young women who listen to this show, and we like to finish by asking our guests for an important piece of life advice before they go. Miguel, if someone asked you what the secret of life is, how would you answer them? First of all, I want to say it, um, it's the secret of life is, is hard work. Um, hard work leads to success. You have to trust in your hard work and the work that you put in to be triumphant. What I can tell these, these young kids, these young, um, these young kids, um, is that they have to do. They have to, go to school and hand in hand do sports. Those two things will help you become a person of well-being, not only for yourself and your family, but for the entire world. And I think that will actually lead you to being successful in life. Um, but I do really recommend school and, and any type of sports um, to go hand in hand because that actually teaches you more um, for preparing you for life. Finally, for me, Miguel, uh, we were so impressed with you during the World Cup. Roger and I started a website called HerreraForEngland.com. Thousands, tens of thousands of people signed up to petition you 
to become the New England manager. We understand that's never going to happen, not in the foreseeable future. But do you watch English football? Do you watch the English Premier League? And if you do, who are your favorite teams and favorite players? La verdad es que sí, 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 seguimos la, la mayoría. I, I do follow, I follow them. Obviously, the English League is one of the, the, the best, one of the top ones out there. Um, obviously, we used to follow a lot more of Manchester United because of Javier, because of Chicharito. But we follow Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal. Um, if you look at them, I believe these teams are more of a equal, they're balanced. Um, because you don't know, you know, who could win. It, it's very equal. Um, but, you know, if, in comparison to, like, Real Madrid and Barcelona, who usually have take a, a step um, further on than the other teams, but I do also follow Bayern, um, Southampton, Everton. Um, but, but I do follow them, the, most of the English league, because I feel that it's, it's a league that's very equal that, and, and competitive. Well, I, I have to say to you, we started the website as a joke. But the English newspapers covered it as if it was serious, and I think it's a dream. And I know you've got big, you've got your work cut out there with Mexico, but we will always dream about you. We want to thank you. You have deepened our love of football, which we thought could get no deeper. Oh, David, didn't think we could love football anymore until we met you, Miguel. No, muchas gracias. Thank you very much, first of all, for, for this interview. And, you know, um, you, you can't you can, um, say that I might not be there in England. You know, it might be a dream of mine in the future. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. But thank you very much for your interview. We will always thank dream, you, Miguel. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you. Oh, I mean, a dream come true, Rod. Oh, I felt a little bit like Moses climbing Mount Sinai to speak to God. What a way to finish on Grantland. Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. <laughs> I will so put true. thee in the cleft of a rock and will cover thee with my hand. Yeah. I mean, right now I feel like I've got, I'm burning. We're going to put a little clip of that, a uh, video clip, up on meninblazers.com uh, of the Skype. Slightly odd Skype. But just what, a, you could just tell, what a lovely man. The smile on his face and we're asking questions when he's remembering his bar fight of that goal. <laughs> it's just classic and fantastic. What a lovely man. Okay, Rog, on to an MLS. Yeah, then what a time we had in Portland. We had a great time in Portland. Oh, I love Portland. I love their passion for soccer. It's like air and water there. Yeah. An element that's experienced all over the city. The food is out of this world. I like the trams. Thank you, Ava Jeans, tasty and older. Um, by the way, I flew there on the same flight as Tim Cahill and Thierry Henry. Uh-huh. And I'd say, for me, I sat right behind them. Progress yeah. for me. Private. About football, private. about football's... Um, Football's progress in America is that three out of five of the American passengers who boarded yeah. knew exactly who Thierry Henry was. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's progress, mate. Progress. Loved our show. Thanks, yeah. Merrick Paulson and all the players and the thousands of GFOPs who came out. I felt like... These were Americans flying to Portland, we should say. Uh, mm, good point. America's soccer capital. The New Jerusalem. Yeah. I felt like when we played that gig last week, which you can, you can yeah. hear on Grantland, I felt like the Hooters at Live Aid. Uh, a little bit of business. Uh, Davo asked for some new nicknames for um, for Alex Morgan. You sent in she thousands. Doesn't like, she doesn't like baby horse, clearly by the look on her face when I asked her that question. At Franz and John suggested her new nickname is Alex Becker Woman <laughs> Morgan. That's genius, Becca woman. Yeah. I don't think she'll like it that much. All right, well, the, the, the other one that was really great was sent in by Michael Carter as a raven via email. Yeah. He suggested Alex Terrell Morgan, the Queen of Thorns. Queen of Thorns? Queen of Thorns. Yeah. Queen, Queen of Thorns is so good. Um, we, um, the game itself, David? Yeah. 
We need to call Alex Morgan and tell her about her new nickname. Becca Woman. Becca Woman. <laughs> Queen of Thorns. We get to keep the World Cup now. We beat Bayern Munich, David. Yeah, we did. Amazing performance by uh, the MLS All-Stars, Roger. In a slightly spiky game. The Germans don't like it up them, Roger. <laughs> they don't like it up them. Um, culminating Bayern Munich coach Pep Guardiola's refusal to shake opposite number Caleb Porter's hand. And at the end, Rog, US soccer Landon Donovan announces his retirement after scoring the winning goal. Oh, he didn't do it right at that moment, but as subsequently, he announced That would have been an amazing goal celebration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I retire! That was that. I retire! My favourite retirement ever was John Crook, yeah. when he, I think he got a hit to first base, possibly, which moved his lifetime average to 300, yeah. and he just ran to first base, yanked it out of the ground, put it under his arm, and walked off the field. Genius. London should have done there that. But what a game. Nick Romando doing his best Tim Howard impression. Robert yeah. Lewandowski, that scorcher. Yeah. which was sufficient to earn, on, him a, earn him a DP contract with MLS in 10 years' time. Yeah. Bradley Wright-Phillips for England, David. Oh, BWP for ENG. And then Landon Donovan's goal. Not yeah. easy. Yeah. Uh, against the team that scorned in Bayern Munich. And MLS were playing with about two of their best players, David Veer and the English Muffin. Yeah, Frank Lampard. Roger's really trying to get that nickname going, <laughs> the English Muffin for Frank Lampard. It was tough for Bayern. It was tough for Julian I noticed Green. you didn't say that to Frank Lampard when we interviewed him. It only him. occurred to me afterwards. <laughs> it was tough for Julian Green. If you watch it, not just for him to play on AstroTurf, but yeah. it was also way, way, way past his bedtime. Oh, terribly past his bedtime. David, what did you think about this, the, the, the handshake? Pep Guardiola in his Czech shirt, looking like a roadie from a big country tribute band. I think it's interesting. I think it's good. I think it's good that he got pissed and refused to shake Caleb Porter's hands. I think that means that they got to him a little bit. Unfortunately, so many in the American media were sort of outraged by it. Oh, that he's, Caleb has spent his whole life looking up to Pep. This is such a terrible thing for him to do to him. He's like this a is, humiliated tween, Caleb is, No, he's not. He just beat Bayern Munich. He humiliated him. That's a badge of honour which makes him refuse this. He should be proud of that. That is great. This is competitive sport. We don't need to make any apologies about beating the all-stars of Bayern Munich, I agree. MLS. By the way, I'd say Bayern Munich need to catch up with what it means to build a brand in the USA. And, and I think the, the handshake was part of that. Their media engagement throughout the whole all-star game gave the sense they thought they were all a bit too big for this. And I know yes. they do want to conquer America. They have many, many, many lessons uh, to learn about that. But one man who did it right was Landon. For me, it was so Landon to announce after the game is retirement. Most athletes would have announced beforehand, so the whole All-Star game became a glorious farewell. He did it you right after. Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, all about him. Uh, London did the opposite. Yeah. Uh, and what, what bloke, David? Although, see, Remarkable. for me, some of that, some of my thoughts about that, is that Landon might not have decided until after the game. If there's ever a guy who's going to come out of retirement, for me, it's Landon Donovan. Why is that? I just feel like he's... I don't think he's an... In- you know him much better than I know him. But I'm not sure that we can depend on his decisiveness at this moment in time. He still seems scarred somewhat. I think he's a fascinating man. I admire him greatly. I admire the way he's grappled with his own personal life to some yeah. degree in public. I think he'll come to be understood. I think Jürgen punished him partly because he didn't understand him um, and his decision to take the sabbatical. I once interviewed Landon for hours on the telephone late into the night as he described the strain his career had taken on his personal life um, and, it, and his mindset, how the game had become a grind. Uh, and I wrote at the time, 
anyone who's in a job that's eating them up can appreciate his predicament, not just soccer fans. And I, th- I think we, in soccer, we talk all the time about physical injury and we don't recognise the kind of mental stress enough that it takes on him. And I, I believe with time, Landon will become known as a re- the remarkable athlete he was, mm-hmm. who was the leading American footballer at a time when America fell in love with the sport and his career straddled the era when no one cared to the time when everybody did, when it went from the periphery Best American to, to the major player I've ever seen. I mean, he, he had a peerless American career, and I believe in time, U.S. fans will appreciate his achievements as much as Evertonians do, because we love him. Yeah. Who'll play him in, it, in the biopic about him, David? We did ask over Twitter. That's a good question. Give me some ideas. A lot, a lot of people said Peter Dinklage. Interesting. Or Pete Campbell from Mad Men. Yeah. Vincent Kartizer. Mike, uh, at Gaston Nax said uh, Ellen Page. Yeah. Um, and my favourite, at the Joy Fulston, suggested Mr. Mosley. Yeah. I think Andrew Shue, this might be finally how Andrew Shue gets to, uh, gets to actually put on a real soccer jersey and play some I games. I can imagine that movie being like, I'm not there. Yeah. Where, where Kate Blanchett, Heath Ledger, Christian, but they all played Bob Dylan. I think we may need to get Todd Haynes in. Get, get them all to play him, David. On to your Ravens. Rog and Dave, I hope this Raven finds you well. I need guidance. How does one deal with relegation? Great question. What a question. I've been a proud DC United and USA supporter for years, but it wasn't until two years ago that I felt the call to find my Premier League home. When I heard the voice that I now realise must have been that of His Holiness, Mike Tarico, tell me to seek a Premier League club, the choice was easy. Fulham descended upon me. I came to be a Fulham fan initially because of Dimitar Berbatov's presence there, that's interesting, and my love for Bulgarian footballers generally. This is due to my love for another Bulgarian, my wife, a committed (laughs) GFOP. Well done, mate. But here is my concern. How do I watch the Premier League now that my club has been relegated? My narrative for watching the championship is clear. Do I still watch the Premier League? Is it wrong to have a secondary rooting interest? Am I being unfaithful? Is it really cheating if I promise to abandon my EPL mistress as soon as Fulham is promoted? Guide me, gentlemen. Smiepost. Courage. Wow, what a peculiar American-US soccer question, David. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I mean, Chelsea have been relegated while I've been a football fan out of the old first division, never been relegated out of the Premier League. Um, and I still think I followed the first division when they were relegated. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think lots of, you know, English football fans do have second teams. They have teams that they like and teams that they don't like watching. I could imagine if Chelsea were relegated. I mean, partly it's my job, but I would still be very actively interested in the EPL. I think it's fine to be interested in other teams. You just can't have the same fandom that you're living and dying yeah. by Fulham's results. Yeah. I mean, you've got to know, in asking us, Bill Harley, we're footballing polygamists, aren't we? Yeah. Sporting polygamists, really. So we tend towards yes, and yeah. I'd suggest pick a team. Yeah. It's going to be hard for you, because Bulgarians in the Premier League, there's Alexander Tonev at Aston Villa, but they just loaned him out to Celtic. Yeah. So pick a team. Welcome. Bad time for Bulgarians. Welcome to Everton, Bill. Um, I'd just say... Pick a new team and then yeah. treat that new team as you would a lunar car from the garage where yours is being repaired. Yeah. Drive around in it. Don't worry about it if you scrape the paint or smash the odd tail light. Yeah. And just enjoy, revel in the new narrative. Yeah. Head down to South London. Go to Crystal Palace. It's unlikely you're going to head across Kensington and Chelsea and go to Chelsea. Welcome to the shed. Then we'll welcome you. Where you're Fulham fans. Come over to the shed. We'll welcome you. Wear your blue. See us through. Yeah. 
Unlikely. That Unlikely. raven is the raven of the week. And Very good. So our Guinness poet patch. Oh, excellent! I love that patch. Beautiful patch. It's most I'm getting a new blazer think... just to match that. Patch. Oh, really? You're putting a patch on a blazer? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Okay. I've got to do the same thing. Okay. Finally, Rog, a plug for our Men in Blazers Premier League Fantasy League. Oh. Lots of questions about this. I didn't even know we were doing it, but of course, Lexi and JW have taken over. We have designed, Rog, we have built a, a sort of a, a, it's like a boxing championship belt. It is enormous. We should Describe put a photo of it on the top. One, it's enormous. I can't even believe that Lexi, producer Lexi, was able to carry this into our office. She's epically strong. She's got she, stealth strength. Well, I, I she can, does have. I can only describe it. She it, has a wonderfully deep voice, Lexi. It is strength. It that. is exactly the same size as Hulk, the Brazilian player's wristwatch. That's how big <laughs> it is. Much. It's absolutely anyway, enormous. It says, it's got a lovely plaque on it or shield. It says size the day. It's got the Men in Blazers logo. It says champion uh, right then. Um, it'd be nice if you could press that and it would go champion. We'd put, we'd Over put, on the side... Uh, has success is not final failure is not fatal it is the courage to continue that counts Winston Churchill quote right there we've left some room for other quotes and sort of names it's got stuff we're going to engrave the winners on it David. men in blazers suboptimal fantasy football you league. win it for a year there's a real championship belt for this so uh, go to meninblazers.com sign up for our uh, for our fantasy league uh, Rog and I are in it we've got a Men in Blazers team we're combining together to go and do it this year which might mean that JW is doing our team but uh, we're going to be doing it this year go to meninblazers.com we'll post the fantasy code on our website rather than read it out because it's incredibly uh, long anyway Rog to end this pod a super pod uh, in the same way as the Real Madrid trophy was super uh, bittersweet for us I feel like I'm going off to college yeah, we are. We're going to another great American company uh, from ESPN to NBC, but we want to say a huge thank you to everyone at ESPN. In many ways, Disney, ABC, Rogers, the, is the uh, company that birthed me as an executive and then as a producer. ESPN have been great to me since 2002, sending me to the World Cup, 2006 the World Cup, uh, brought us together 2010, uh, and we've been... Uh, our Off the Ball podcast started it all off. We've been doing many places for three to four years. So I want to thank uh, John Skipper. I really want to thank Bill Simmons at Grantland. Old friend, I'm sorry that I once uh, disqualified you from the ESPN game show Two Minute Drill. But in truth, you were an employee of ESPN when you were trying to be a contestant on that show. I uh, want to thank Jacoby. Uh, you've been great to us. Those videos which you did with us, the previews, I think really set us up for what we went and did at the World Cup. I want to thank everybody we work with down uh, in Rio at the World Cup, Jed Drake particularly, uh, letting us be part of your amazing broadcast. We loved every second of our time at ESPN and Grantland. And I'd say ESPN has set the gold standard in the way that football is thought about and presented in the United States. Yeah. And it was an honour to be a tiny part of that. Say John Skipper, John Cosner. Jed Drake, Amy Rosenfeld, Marie Donoghue, Alexi Lallis. Oh, Lallis. Lallis. Bob Lee. Yeah. David Jacoby. Yeah. And Simmons. Keith Jackson. Yeah. Vim Wikipedia. Yeah. James Martin, Paul yeah. Carr, Amy Phillips, Bill Hofheimer, and Seth Ida and his incredible team. We will miss uh, all of you. Mike Tarico, Julie Fowdy. Well, we had a lot of best. questions. At Jay Perrick, yeah. who won? Will we all have to find a new religion? <laughs> And I want to make it clear, this is no Martin Luther 95 Theses. Yeah. Um, th- this, is, this is not the founding of a new religion. Tariqoism cannot be stopped. It's no, it growing, cannot be. It's growing faster growing fast. than Islam, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, and <laughs> Ariana Grandism. Yeah. Um, 
final question from at Bevo One. Yeah. At Men in Blazers, do you get to access to Rebecca Lou's hairstylist? I don't know. I don't know that we really need it. We're not thinking about those kind of uh, small issues right now. We've got bigger things to worry about. We're worried about the hazing Bob Costas and Mary <laughs> Carrillo are going to give us. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, anyway, thanks, everybody at ESPN. I will say the final thing, just on Grantland. Grantland has been... I think one of the greatest additions to the sports landscape to people since who consider the George themselves Michael sports machine. Yeah, since the George Michael sports machine has been the greatest innovation uh, to those uh, of us who like to think of ourselves as uh, thinking people's sports lovers. That's you, not me. I think the quality of the writing, the quality of the content, the quality of the thought that goes into it is just superb. I'll continue uh, to visit it as a uh, as a reader. And watch they are to me what Dana Plato was to acting. Just, I mean, in a, in a league of their own. So thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, many ways to connect to us. Um, one of them at some Amazon Emporium helps keep the show going. Anytime you go to Amazon for items, big or small, just click off the Emporium page and MIB gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. Do you have something for the Amazon Emporium this week, Roger? I think yeah. Mork and Mindy complete first season DVD. Yeah. Enough said. Okay, very good. I have the... Uh, I've been really doing a lot of research, Rog, because one thing I was alarmed at during the World Cup was how grey my hair is getting. It's getting greyer. I'm five years older than you, and my hair is greyed so significantly. And when we saw the design for our coffee cups, one thing I immediately looked at and thought, wait a minute, my hair isn't that grey. And I went and looked at a picture of us broadcasting and realised my hair is that grey. And so I found... A Chinese root. I believe it's called Photo Key. And we're putting a link to that to go and buy a root. And it's a root because I don't believe in hair dye. I really don't. No offense to anybody we're going to be working with. But I don't believe in hair dye. So uh, it's a root that apparently it's a Chinese root. And it reverses the thing of growing. So I've started taking it yesterday. You really see and we're going to see. We're going to see if it works. Right? In the future, yeah. <laughs> In the future, we're going to see if it works. Okay, uh, second way to connect to us is our newsletter, The Raven. It's fueled, Rog, by Guinness. It collates the best ravens, our own writing, on a weekly basis. Sign up via meninblazers.com. We will both post what we're reading, listening to, or watching. Also, new listeners, please download iTunes and Amazon, our best of album, which is uh, somehow soaring up billboard comedy charts as we speak. Men in Blazers unbuttoned. Now that's what I call suboptimal. You can also go to our wonderful independently maintained uh, by GFOP, actually, Wikispaces, meninblazers.wikispaces.com. It's a wonder one- of the world. It really is. Uh, continue to follow us on meninblazers.com. That's staying there. It's going to say everything we're doing. We're going to continue to podcast. Yes. We are going to continue to podcast. So next week, uh, stay tuned to our social media and exactly how you access it. But we believe it's going to all be there through iTunes. Uh, through NBC Sports, it's going to, going to be available. Um, we, uh, we're going to launch a TV show in a few weeks' time. It's going to be uh, Monday nights, we think, at around midnight. It's going to be on the air. Uh, we're going to be uh, making a bunch of digital content for NBC. We're going to appear in uh, some of their post games. Um, and I think starting this weekend, we're going to do that, uh, Rog. Follow us uh, on Twitter, at MC Davis, at Rog Bennett, at Men in Blazers. Um, Instagram, Men in Blazers. Uh, on Facebook, you can like us there. Emails to meninblazers at gmail.com. Send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. We couldn't be more grateful to everyone at ESPN and Grantland. Seconded. Vendorpunkt. Warpig. Who wants to sex Matombo? Explosure. Courage. Size the day. Is that your analysis? No sleep till Moscow. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fighting, America. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Love you, Rog. Love you, Dave. Oh, he laughed. It was a big pause. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.